0: Us, it's always striving for leadership excellence. It's in our product, in our company, in our staff, and at the end of the day, helping our clients. So, I think the biggest takeaways that our clients have had it's increased profitability for their business, and at the end of the day, you know, helping companies have profitable growth, having an impact on their companies, and eventually helping everyone get to that financial freedom. You know, that's been our greatest growth and our greatest, I think, hopefully, legacy for people. Are you an overwhelmed SaaS founder, ready to make the leap from leading a team to leading an organization? Join us each week as we refill your think tank with actionable tips and strategies from great business minds you know and those you don't know yet. This is SaaS Fuel with your host, five-time entrepreneur, SaaS founder, and globetrotting adventurer, Jeff Maines.
1: Welcome back to the SaskFuel podcast, where it's not about going to a party, it is celebrating life as a party. I'm your host, Jeff Maynes. Well, here we are on the downhill slope of the year. I got an email from some listeners on a corporate ski outing this week. So thank you, Rob, Brian, Jenny, Karen, Paul, and Isaac. Hope you guys had a fantastic time out there on the slopes. And it is definitely a season of celebration, lights, tree lighting, festivals, and parties for sure. Now, so enjoy. Be sure to let your clients and your team know how awesome they are, especially this time of year. But always. you know, This is also the time of year where it's easy to slow down in our business and just kind of coast into the end of the year. know, I've been in SaaS land a long, long time, and I can tell you this is a great time to not coast, but to accelerate into the new year. Yeah, I can't tell you how many big enterprise SaaS deals we've signed in December. It's easily hundreds over the years. So let your competitors coast, but focus in and stay engaged. And certainly not suggesting being annoying during the holiday season, nobody wants that. And that would be completely counter to my entire sales philosophy. But it is a great time to engage add value, and boost relationships with those prospects and with your clients as well. Do that really well, and revenue will follow and take care of itself. So don't coast, stay engaged. Cool? In last week's episode, we talked with David Bonney, founder and CEO of 45.io. It's a SaaS platform to supercharge your sales force. It combines sales methodology and technology for faster adoption, increased close rate, and to boost your scalability, which of course we all want. But whether you use the tech or not, David had great insights to keep revenue flowing year round. If you missed it, be sure to go back and check it out. My guest this week is Corina Ludwig, president of Function Fox, a leader in timesheet and project management software, specifically for creative professionals worldwide. Now in their 22nd year, FunctionFox helps clients with productivity, profitability, and workflow management. Karina is the visionary and strategist, and some might say that she's the glue that keeps the company together. And using her, well, we'll just say many years of experience in SaaS, HR, and marketing, she helps teams save time, boost productivity, and increase profitability, which is super important in today's business environment. On top of that, she is a dog mom to three Great Danes, which is awesome. I love dogs. Most of you know that. And she's also quite the baker and cake designer. You know, who doesn't love cake, right? But get ready for creativity, business savvy, and tasty growth nuggets. Give a warm right out of the oven welcome to Karina Ludwig. Hey, Karina, welcome to Fuel. Well, tell me a little bit about your experience and where you've come from and how you came up with the idea for Function Fox. Thanks. Yeah, great to be on the show.
0: Yeah, so Function Fox has been around now for 22, 23 years, and it was really stemmed out of the idea of from creative professionals, really looking to track time and build their clients easier. And, you know, 22 years ago, it was still pen and paper, we were doing things in Excel. And it's my background, I went to school in graphic design, and there was never really a great way to keep track of that, you know, creative side, definitely on the art side and right brain, left brain, and never really wanting to track the time or do the you know, the profitability side of things, you just really want to stay creative. And so we found that there was a need for creative people to be able to do that easier and more efficient. And so we built that's a company fantastic. around it. it you're and exactly it was right about just my idea, it was a combination of so creative, few people and that's getting true
1: in that the software space as well. today, and billing uh, you know, later, And uh, helping uh, you know, great creative people, people video world, editors, uh, and, things, time, and uh, things like that. They do a bunch of work and then don't bill, and I'm asking them, you know, hey, where's the invoice? Because, you know, nothing happens until they get paid. So it's it's such an important function. Yes. Right, Right, that's an important function. Well, if you think back 20 years and ago, if you can be doing SaaS your creative stuff and be profitable,
0: relatively new and or increasing your billable of, hours, then that. all I mean, of to you, you can actually that you know, make a living from doing forward, what you're doing, which is ultimately the end game for most people. Yeah. And SaaS wasn't a thing, right? It wasn't a word back then. It was ASP. It was just after the dot-com bust. And, you know, people weren't even doing online banking. So to have people launch, we launched a web-based business back then. And to have someone launch a web-based business and then have them trust you with their data, that was really weird. You know, we were doing dial-up walkthroughs at the time. So, you know... Consider that, right? So doing a walkthrough over, you know, dial up and fax machines were still around at that point. So if you think about, you know, people were just getting into online banking and we were launching a web based business and that was pretty unheard of in those times. And so our biggest challenge at that point was, you know, getting people online and getting them to put their data online. So there's been lots of challenges over the years. I mean, obviously that was a big one to start off with and then there was the session came in, you know, obviously more recently, COVID. And how, so how people do you are overcome remotely those challenges,
1: especially in an environment in like that where you're asking people to trust you with their the data? How do you build that trust world? so but that they feel yeah, comfortable? Yeah, it's been doing different
0: those. challenges over the years, and we've had a great time sort of navigating through those speed bumps. Yeah, I mean, at that time we said, you know, we have the same level of encryption as the banks and we did, you know, you get certified and you have all the right mechanisms in place to build that trust. And then it's also referral driven. So referrals have always been great for us. And it's, you know, if their neighbor using it or another client or one of their fellow sort of colleagues in the industry, then there's already some guaranteed trust that someone else is doing it. And sometimes it's just starting off small. So we'd say, you know, start off with one client or one project, we can help you through it. And then it's just becoming more comfortable and it's sort of, it became easier and easier. But whenever there's a challenge or something that comes up, you know, it seems really big at the time. And then looking back, it's like, well, that was pretty easy. Of course, you can say that, you know, hindsight. But I think COVID's, so you know, one some of the other challenges that as well that is, had you know, to you the whole adapt world to. really shut down, but, you know, two years, fast forward two years, two and a half years later, you know, we're all managing, right? So I think it's just how you adapt to those and how you see through those challenges. Yeah, I think the recession and just people not spending money, right? When you're trying to sell a product at a time when people are really tight in terms of their, you know, their first strings. Really sort of being able to say, okay, yeah, we can help you during that. Or if someone's having a tough time and, you know, they're laying off staff and they're considering closing their business, that's not a time to be selling a product. So we try to shift in those times and say, you know what, we're here to so help. managing through a recession we'll is something a lot of companies months, have not done, especially founders that have
1: just started in the last three, four, challenges. five years. And then what you know, advice would you out give after that for managing through a, a recession?
0: they are continuing to, to grow, even when the economy maybe is shrinking. Yeah, and I think it's taking it day by day. I think you know, depending on where you are in your business, if you're just starting out and you're not profitable yourself, that's a really tough position to be in. And of course, we were there for many years in the beginning. You know, we weren't sure if we were able to make payroll for the end of the month. You know, there was people that remortgaged their houses to kind of make the business run. Like we did things that were, I think, pretty drastic to make sure that the business was viable. So it's really taking it day by day and say, okay, can we pay this vendor? Can we do a trade or a deal? I mean, we did a lot of that early days and kind of to make our dollar stretch farther. If you're not, you know, VC backed or if you're not fully funded by someone else, then you've got to work with what you have and just be really resourceful in terms of how you're using your expenditures. During that, and you're sort of looking for what do I do next? I would just say, you know, take it day by day and look at every expense. Is it a want or is it a need? And how can you help someone that potentially might come back to you later? And it's not just about you know getting that back, but it's also just having an impact in the world and say, okay, how can I help with profitable growth? So if you can help them be more profitable, in our case, time tracking, project management, increasing the once they have a hours solution helps them like be more so, profitable. They'll never want and to go back more to the old way again. They're going so to I be able to give back really in terms sticky, of right? you know continuing to pay for our service, which ultimately will help us. So. You know, sometimes it's a time thing, but in the long run, it, it's just day by day.
1: So what were the key client acquisition strategies that yeah, you used in really the easy, beginning? Yeah, right? like, it's really easy, right? People changed over my time.
0: business, increased our profitability. So we've heard great testimonials and we're really proud of sort of how we've been able to help change businesses. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I think in the beginning, it was really about who do we know? So it was going out in the market and saying, okay, who were people that were friends or family or colleagues that we knew would, you know, at least try things out and become beta testers. And so we reached out to our local network. And then it was really word of mouth. So we put a referral program in place and we still have one in place today. And it's one of our best channels in terms of marketing, but it's really, you know, taking it one client at a time one conversation at a time and say you know who do you know who do you think this would be a good fit for and just sort of spreading that out and we call it spreading the love you know getting additional foxes to our our team but it's through employee referrals it's through client referrals it's networking it's being out in the community and talking to people and being out there so that people not just brand awareness but they actually know about your product and we have a I love free the name product, function so box. giving out for free and, to, and letting you know, people foxes. So tell me a little bit about the origin of the name and then, then you your know, team. Their business grows where they can take on more staff and eventually upgrade to more cost-effective products for them. Yeah, so early days, we were actually called F5 or Function 5. And it was based on the F5 key on your keyboard. So functionality and shortcut to profitability was sort of the idea of it. And there was another company at the time also called F5. And we thought early days, this is not good. People are getting us confused. And we liked the alliteration of function five. So we said like, oh, okay, we could be like function beaver. We were on Beaver Lake Road at the time. Function beaver, function ferret. And then Function Fox is really cool. We like that because of not only the alliteration, but just smart and clever. And it had something that people could visually relate to. So a fox, you know, there's some sly, sleek between there, and there's also some cute and lovable. And I think people have really resonated with that. And so yeah, we have fox you fans. We still have team members we that have, have been with you, know, you since the beginning. Team. But it's been really helpful for us. It's sometimes hard to say, you know, Function Fox. And people don't get that. But, you know, over the years, I think it's been a great name and it's survived for 20 years. So, yeah, we're happy with it. Yeah, over 85% of our team has been with us for about seven years or more. Most of it is most of the team members are over 10 years. It depends on sort of when you listen to this webinar. But we've had really good, solid team members. And, of course, we've had, you know, ones that have come and go for sure. We've also had people that have come and asked for their job back, you know, there's 11 of those. And so, you know, there's something that we're doing, right. I think it's just treating people right and making sure that it's not just, you know, they're not a number at your company, they're actually what's making your business survive and be successful. And so I think having the focus on the employees and making sure that they're important. Really you know how access to retention,
1: especially employee retention, and, you know, client retention as well, but employee retention in particular sure, is a really hot definitely topic. Definitely not
0: compared to some other companies, been, larger you know, companies the out there. Six but a year. you know, we do what we can so and retaining have the best
1: employees like that, that is fantastic. What our, like, type of role sense. do you think culture has played in doing that?
0: Yeah, I think it's, you know, our culture has shifted over the years depending on who we have on our team. In the early days, you know, I think we had a lot of younger people now, you know, 20 years later those people are still there so they're older and they have family and kids and so the priorities have changed from having more parties and unlimited booze and that kind of stuff to being able to have, you know, functions where their kids are considered or more flexibility in their jobs, right? So now there's more people working from home. We're hundred percent remote teams, so the ability for them to be at home and tend to their family and have more flexible schedules in terms of making sure that they can get the kids to school or pick them up after school, you know, that has changed. Where in the early days that wasn't the case. It was like, you know, everyone's at the office for a set period of time. And so I think it's just looking at who you have on your so team. So was the work from home model
1: something you sure sure that you implemented prior to the pandemic them, or was you know, that kind of the goals driver and behind realize their goals, going whether in that's
0: inside of work or outside of work. And giving them the opportunities to grow and learn and develop, not just in their job, but also, you know, personally and professionally. Yeah, both. So prior to the pandemic, there was 25% of our group was remote and it started naturally like that. So we hired one of our senior members, someone that I had worked with in a previous company. We were looking for someone for a customer success team. And I'm like, oh, I need someone like Solvay. Solvi was great and had worked with her for many years. So I called her and said, hey, you know, who do you know? And she was actually happened to be available at that time. So she's been remote from day one, which is, you know, was never our intention, but it was the right person. And so obviously that worked for us and she's still remote. And then over the years, we've had some people that have moved for family or other reasons in terms of just their makeup and so we've decided to say yep we would love to keep you on board and this is how we're going to do it remotely and this is how it's going to work and then the pandemic came and obviously everyone went remote and we sort of surveyed our staff and said you know how many people would actually want to come back to the office no one really full-time there was maybe only one or two and then the rest of the people were like two to three times a week is it worth keeping our large building for that and we owned our building for that so We've actually seen that a lot of people have, you know, added to their profitability by actually letting go of their building, which is one thing that we did. And so we had a co-working space that people could go to if they wanted to get out of the home. But yeah, now 100%. How do you keep
1: that remote, culture no intact when people are remote point, and not together mean, as much? You know,
0: here and there, if people want to get together to, you know, more culturally. But the culture has shifted for sure. And I think as a leader, you have to be mindful of that and really ebb and flow with your team. Yeah. I wrote a great article on this. There's, I don't know, probably about 50 different things that we've done everything from, and I think again, it's adapting to your team. So we do a weekly optional check-in so anyone can join. It's just a half hour session where we just, you know, really shoot the shit on whatever topics and it's not normally work related. It's just water cooler kind of talk. And I think that's been helpful for the people that want that interaction. And then there's other people that don't really want that. So they come to the monthly meeting or they come to their weekly, you know, department meeting and that's enough for them. And then we'll do things on the side. If someone's personally doing something in the industry, we'll go and support them or we'll have small groups that will gather, you know, now we're a little bit more diverse or dispersed. And so we'll gather in various cities to get people together. So I think it's just. Coming up with things that will work for everyone, we sent for one of our birthdays, our 20th anniversary, we sent everyone pies to their home. So everyone got a pie at the same time. And, you know, it's things like that or celebrating birthdays. And. You know, nothing. Too I love the remote there, model because you really can't hire the, the right person no matter where the they are. And and go, okay,
1: so it just really open. So that Halloween, we
0: sent everyone a Halloween, you know, trick or treat. So as you're
1: building the team, it's
0: cheesy, are you looking but it's at more, right? like, more specific like functionality or specific mail,
1: so. you know roles, or is it you know are you hiring you know for specific I guess capabilities, or is it you know great people and you train them in uh, the specific role?
0: It's been all of the above. So, sometimes if it's like a development role or a tech role, they need to have some prior knowledge. Actually, that's not true because we've hired people and we've moved them into that role and kind of built them up. But it depends on the role. So, we've hired for sales where they really had no sales experience and it was really based on the person and what their aptitude was and attitude. That's always big for us. I think you can always add the skills onto it. So, we hired a chef, for example who had never been in an office before, had done some phone work just as a volunteer thing, but ended up being one of our top salespeople. And so I look at that as, yeah, something, you know, where they've got the desire and they've got the aptitude and the attitude to do it. This has been really great. And then we've hired people, for example, in customer service and they have an interest in development. So we'll give them a couple of projects or they'll say, Hey, can I take that on? Sure. And we'll have, you know, we'll team them up with someone that's more technically involved and help them sort of migrate to that. So we've had people that have come in through sales, gone to service, then from service, gone to dev and, you know, grow up from there. So That's it's really good. And it
1: gives a really much more well-rounded
0: themselves
1: team because you have somebody in dev that understands sales and understands client services that has been growth, in those not roles. Just fitting so it's role not something that they're just completely isolated where somebody's that, is generating some code and throwing it over bird. the fence and never interacting with clients. Really, really helpful. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to ask Karina about the biggest lessons that she yeah, learned. No,
0: they get it and, and they the understand building function the and they how they it applies how to your SaaS business. Right after this. The greater flexibility Why to do some companies
1: achieve business? explosive growth while others sink into the depths? What do exceptional SaaS companies do that mediocre companies don't? And what can SaaS leaders learn from fish? Hey, check out my book, Small Fish, Big Pond, building a world-class business that swims circles around competitors. This book delivers powerful business lessons guaranteed to change the way you view your business and includes hands-on exercises and growth tools to get lightning-fast results. Get your copy today at Small Fish, Big Pond. Use the code SASFUEL to unlock special bonus audio and video content. And we are back with Karina Ludwig, president of Function Fox. And Karina, tell me about the biggest lessons you've learned in building a SaaS company.
0: Yeah, I think there's some really good ones and some of them are pretty simple, but at the end of the day, they're really important looking back. So I'll give you my top 10. So top 10 would be vision and purpose. I think that's self-explanatory, but sometimes people don't have that. Like, why are you there? And what is the purpose? You know, what is your why and how are you going to get there? You know, first and foremost, always really important. Number two is being niche focused. I think some people try to be everything for everybody. Really We've good been advice. very niche focused and that has been great for us. So I'd highly recommend that. Number three, hire better people. <laughs> I love it. So hire really good people, hire slow and fire fast. People will make or break your business. So really, really important. Number four, say yes and then figure out how to get there later on. So just... Be confident and go, Yep, we can do that even if you don't know how. Number five, obviously the metrics are really important. So know your KPIs and then follow them. Really watch them. The finances are going to make or break your business as well. So that's really important. Number six, focus on what you're doing and not what everyone else is doing. I think it's really easy to get mired in that world of, oh, our competitors are doing this. We should do this. Just stay niche focused. Focus on what you're doing you know, stay with the same strategy or shift strategies if you need to, but be very mindful of where you're going. And then number seven, sort of back to people, but surround yourself with great team members, great mentors. Don't feel like you have to do it all yourself. Really, you know, it's a team effort. You're much greater as a team. So make sure you have the right people around you. Number eight, focus on people and culture. I can't say that enough. People will stay with you if they're treated well and if they're in the right group. Obviously, you've heard that people leave their managers. They don't leave their jobs. So make sure you've got the right people in place. Number nine, just be yourself. Don't try to be someone else. You know, just be genuine and ask for help when you need it. And then the last one is, you know, just have a great product. Have that the is right pricing. If there's make something sure that that go to, the right again, to the the right go back and, really and listen to again, this is the segment to go back and get those top to 10. We'll make
1: sure and list customers those at the end of the day the show are also well. going to
0: make or break your business. So, so really those good. would be my top we'll 10 we'll for the last 20 years. Played in your Short success. and sweet, but hopefully helpful. Yeah, so early days, I think there's people that will come in and, you know, they say it's for a reason or a season or a lifetime, right? And so there's been people on our team that have been there for 20 years and of course they've had the biggest impact on the business. Then there's people that have come in just very short, whether they're a mentor or a guide or a coach that we've hired that have said, you know, like, here's where you are. Here's where you want to be. Have you tried this strategy? And sometimes it takes an outside perspective to really look on that, you know, read the label on the outside of the bottle and kind of you're in that bottle and looking out, and you can't always see the label on the outside. So sometimes it's good to have a fresh perspective. Sometimes it's not what you want to hear. And of of course, we've sort of said, no, I don't really believe in that. And then you come back to it and go, actually, that's good, solid advice. And you do sort of shift. So those have been helpful. And then just being a mentor yourself to other people, I think that also has helped in terms of. When you're teaching others you learn so from that. A so really myth helping maybe about what are your being guiding an entrepreneur principles, what are your goals, what's your true. vision. And if you can help other people, <laughs> sometimes that actually resonates back to you. So I've done a lot of mentorship with a lot of other people in the industry and I think that's actually been helpful in growing our business. Freedom. <laughs> So I think, you know, people are like, oh, I'm going to start a business and I'm going to have all this time. And, you know, like it's going to be a super easy life. And I think that's a misconception that some people have. It's a hell of a lot of work. It's way more than we ever expected. You know, it's long days. It's you're thinking about work. You're sleeping about work. I dream (laughs) about work. If that's not what you're looking for and that's not what you want to I mean, eventually, yes, maybe there's freedom at the end of the game, but you have to really enjoy it. It's kind of like kids. They're all the time, right? It's you can't just hang them up and <laughs> go and do something else. It's the same thing with running a business, you know, it's worrying about the team and it's worrying about the revenue, especially you're exactly early right. days, especially for most the clients and from and it's how well you're market
1: it. Like going to be all of those challenges and
0: we can get in, there, but it certainly doesn't start that way. So I think there are a lot of people, they never get to that. Is, oh, I'm going to start my own business. So as so you I continue time, to
1: grow and expand, you know, you've been around for a long time. How have you taken on bigger competitors? And so you talked about being niche focused, you know, very tight in what you do. And how do you take on bigger competitors that maybe have really broad solutions?
0: Yeah, great question. And so, you know, we've got competitors that are spending millions a month on marketing. We're not spending millions. So how do you compete in a market like that? you've got to be creative. And thankfully, we focus on the creative market. So we do things a little differently, where they might do lots of digital advertising on Google, we don't have the budget to sort of compete in the top spaces, we're going to do it different. So we've done direct mail, we've actually hitched up with some of our competitors and said, Hey, do you want to share leads, you know, You focus on really large agencies. We focus on really small agencies. Do you want to trade leads? And we've done a lot of really good sort of work with our competitors, you know, frienders, as we call them, really vendors in the field that have become great friends because we're in the same space. We focus on the same market. We have the same target market. Let's work together, right? And I think that's, you know, small fish, big pond. You know, really so working where do you see in the, the industry same pond going with your over competitors the next five years because you're going to be there at the end of the day with them. So you might as well support each other as opposed to, you know, trying to eat all the fish. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. Yeah, over the next five years, I would see a lot of consolidation. I think there's so many players in the market. Early days when we started out, we were like one of five they we were one of the first saas businesses to launch but now there's hundreds not every one of them is focused on creative but i think there's going to be a lot of you know we see that the m a sort of coming in and consolidating some what of the things bigger you players and in, putting them together you know, lessons
1: and that you learn is really really making good products how do you do that really in collaboration that with have
0: full capabilities where there's lots of smaller products that focus only on a couple of things so that's where i see the industry going we'll, we'll see if i'm right Yeah, so we call them wow moments and collaboration with clients is, okay, we look at here's what we want to sell and if we can land a client because of something that we put in that we believe is going to help at least 50% of the other clients, we'll build it. And sometimes it's something small and it, it doesn't take long and we can land that client for that reason. Early days, for example, we had a client that said, hey, if you put a stopwatch in your system, we'll buy So of course, we built the stopwatch. And now it's used by thousands of people around the world. And you know, you look at something like that, it's small, and it's simple, and it's pretty straightforward, but it's going to help lots of other people. And you really have to listen to your clients. And so when someone comes and says, hey, we'd like this, we put it in as part of a feature request. And then we prioritize all those features that come in and say, okay, well, Big group of One of the other ones that you mentioned was KPI. We tracking how long those. Does that take? What are the KPIs that you
1: measure? And how has and that changed over time as you continue to grow?
0: And hopefully retain clients, obviously, to lower churn and also to gain new clients in terms of acquisition. Yeah, I think in the early days, you know, the finances are really tight. And so not just the bank balance, but how you're getting there. And then we tracked things on paper when we started, right? Like we actually had a sell sheet of our clients. And I look back, it was kind of funny days at that time. But now I think it really depends on your business. I think some general ones, obviously, are LTV. So lifetime value of your clients, your CAC, so your ratios in terms of what you're spending and what you're getting back. Those are pretty standard. In terms of sales KPIs, I think those ones like calls, duration, Things that you can measure that are quality ones, so not just how many calls, but the length and duration of those calls and, you know, your conversion rates, obviously. So if there's small percentages that you can modify over the years, that's great. So if your conversion rate is 20% or 40% or 60%, how can you get that even just a couple percentages higher, you know, from demo to trial to sale? And knowing those numbers, you can say, okay, we need to change this on our website to get a higher conversion. Or maybe it's you look at your sales reps and go, okay, why is this person converting at 70% or whatever the number is? And this person's converting at 20%. You know, what are they saying differently? What are they doing differently? And try to help bridge that gap between them. And so I think, you know, You can't focus on all the KPIs at once. So we always tackled something and then sort of got that going and made sure that it was working and continued to track it. And then we moved on to the next thing. And so now, you know, we have dashboards of all the KPIs and it's really easy to see. And then we've actually put colors against them. And this comes from Rockefeller Habits. So, you know, red, yellow, green, we've added a platinum, you know, really easy to see across the dashboard. Every single KPI has a color beside it. So are we a, a green dashboard, a yellow dashboard, or a red dashboard, or are we platinum? So we put in that silver and, you know, so we're looking to hit those. And then we reward the team, sometimes depending on what the KPIs are, whether it's a team goal. We said to the team, okay, if we get X percent growth for our company, we're going to take the entire team to Vegas. So we did. We took them and all their spouses to Vegas and so you built fun. a pretty good but if sales your team I think you have can 10 part sales of people those Kpis and can help generate what the targets are. You'll find that the whole team sort of migrates together to make those happen and so everyone's working together not just in silos. We've fluctuated over the years. We have a smaller sales team right now and we're good with that. I think it's been really focused on how many leads we've had. We've also had oh, wow, a really junior good. sales team at one point, And so there was a lot of training and a lot of upkeep and some of those moved on and we're happy with some of those other ones we've kept for a long time. Now we've got a really qualified sales team. So everyone on our team is more than six years. Yeah. For sales, it definitely is. I think, you know, sales tends to rotate quickly, but most have stayed, you know, two or three years at least. And now everyone's sort of over six. And so they're really good. Well, that's fantastic. Because that was they really the question is what is it knowledge. that they
1: makes a great sales team really
0: well? And they can actually take on more than some of the junior ones. So we found that, you know, having senior salespeople that have been in our business for a long time has worked out really well for us. I think it's, I mean, it's people first, right? If they can help your clients and they can really listen, not just sell, you know, how much are you talking? We always say that. How much are you talking? and How much is the client talking? And there's tools to measure that if you're interested in that. There's some great ones out there. But for us, it's really listening to what our clients needs and helping them find the right solution, even if it's not our solution. So that's where working with competitors really helps. They say we're looking for A, B, and C, and we say, "Well, we have A, but we don't so have B So, if you were going to start a company so today, you should, you know, what would be you know, the one lesson and that you would they want do, to bring forward? Give out to for somebody else work piece of advice. Give somebody else starting today. So, I think it's just being having the
1: right people <laughs> to find the <laughs> that right is great solution advice. for the clients.
0: think twice. (laughs) Yeah, I think, you know, you really have to be in it for the long haul. Don't think that you can have a successful business overnight. I mean, there's a few unicorns out there for sure, but it's a long haul game, right? So you're not going to see profitability. If you're lucky, maybe you'll see it in the first three years. (laughs) <laughs> usually it's closer and it's five amazing too and after that it's a lot of heartache <laughs> but absolutely it's the really word i love talk that Think in it's kind that of the same really thing really like really having kids advice. and i don't have kids so if you look back you know you, over it's function fox be amazing, and say, you know we look forward five years work, you know, what so, do you want
1: people to take luck. away if they think about function fox what is one thing you want to yeah. stick in their mind you know about that company about you as a leader
0: Yeah, for us, it's always striving for leadership excellence. It's in our product, in our company, in our staff, and at the end of the day, helping our clients. So I think the biggest takeaways that our clients have had is increased profitability for their business. And at the end of the day, you know, helping companies well, Where can people have learn
1: more about you mouth, and Function Fox Online? An
0: impact on their companies and eventually helping everyone get to that financial freedom. You know, that's been our greatest growth and our greatest i think hopefully legacy for people. Yeah, easy. So, functionfox.com really easy. You can check out a free demo. We have free products. We awesome. have hundreds 100 Really enjoyed a conversation today, Karina.
1: I wish you well. Really Make sure and link everything process. in the, the show notes including LinkedIn, the article you mentioned lead earlier lead about what was it like find. a 100 ways way to, to engage your you employees. Thank you for the
0: show and hopefully it's had an impact on your business.
1: We'll take that. 50 is great. We'll really enjoy the conversation. Thank you. Well, thanks again to Karina for coming on the show and sharing yeah, maybe your insights not quite a hundred, and resources. But you
0: definitely some did you just
1: love the organization of, of that top so 10 list? For sure. It's like a step-by-step recipe for success. I mean, it's so organized and so good. Yeah, likewise. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you, Karina. Learn more about Karina and Function FunctionFox at FunctionFox.com. As always, all links, highlights, resources, and maybe a favorite recipe and full show notes are available at sassfuel.com. Well, please subscribe and follow us on sassfuel.com. Whatever platform you like, it is there. And everyone who subscribes this week and follows the show, of course, it's always free, but everyone who subscribes this week will get a unique one-of-a-kind snowflake delivered to you this winter. Now, due to some supply chain issues, distribution may not all be equal. I mean, you might have to go pick yours up in like Buffalo, for example. They've got quite a few of them up there. But to, don't worry, there are plenty of those snowflakes to go around. So go in and like, subscribe, follow us on the podcast. Join us next week for our conversation with Massimo Aragoni, CEO of B, a product led scale up that's making email and landing page design easy and fast for anyone, even me, non-technical marketing kind of person. These no-code visual builders are used over 6 million times a month and embedded in 1,000 plus SaaS applications, maybe yours. Another SaaS founder who is changing the world. So come back and be sure to check it out next week. And until then, as always, enjoy the journey.